This is the Build Your Best Family podcast. Today's episode is on how the Enneagram can help us be a better parent with Melissa Corkum. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you were meant to be. The Enneagram is an incredible tool that helps us identify our core motivations. Each of the nine personality types is defined by a particular core belief about how the world works. It helps us understand how we react to both stressful and supportive situations, and as a result, shows us the opportunities for personal development and provides a way to understand others. I've been slowly learning about the Enneagram over the last few years and have gained an incredible amount of insight into myself. It has given me permission to be confident in who I am and shed the shame that I've carried for not being like the people I admire. More recently, my husband and I have been learning about the Enneagram and how it can help us create a thriving gospel-centered marriage. It's improved our communication and has given us the ability to have more grace for one another. So you can imagine how excited I was when this week's guest, Melissa Corkum, reached out to me about coming on the show to talk with us about how the Enneagram could help us to be a better parent. During our conversation, we talked about what the Enneagram is, what Enneagram coaching looks like, and how we can create a healthier family culture and a happier home using the wisdom of the Enneagram. By the way, she's a fantastic coach. I know because after the interview was over, I couldn't help but ask her a few questions I had about the two Enneagram numbers that I keep going back and forth between. For those of you who don't know much about the Enneagram, I encourage you to check it out. And if you know your Enneagram number, I challenge you to consider how it impacts your parenting and the lens you see your family members through. Do you want to know what your loved ones really think of you? We've created the Family Retreat Packet to help you connect with one another and get honest feedback on how you're doing as a family. It's like a 360 peer review, but for families. It takes the guesswork out of planning because it includes everything you need to host your own family retreat, such as a sample itinerary, a packing list, and activity suggestions. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash shop and for only $4.99, you can download the Family Retreat Packet and host your own family retreat. Today, I'm talking with Melissa Corkum. Melissa has read all the books, gone to all the trainings, and gotten certified as a life coach, Enneagram coach, essential oil specialist, and empowered connect partner trainer so that overwhelmed and exhausting parents don't have to. She's helped dozens of parents shift to a brain-based view of behaviors so they can find more effective solutions besides threatening and punishing and become confident parents. She's a mom to six kids by birth and adoption. They've taught her a lot about what creates thriving parent-child relationships and what doesn't. You can find her de-stressing at the end of every day by crunching on the half-popped kernels at the bottom of the popcorn bowl and binging something on Netflix. Parents can connect with her at www.thecorkboardonline.com. She also co-hosts the podcast, The Adoption Connection. Welcome, Melissa. It's so good to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Kimberly. It's so great to be here. Um, So a question we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? (laughs) Well, we are, I think, known for kind of jumping into the deep end of the pool. We're kind of just known for crazy decisions. So over the years that we've been married, we've four of our kids have joined us through adoption. Three of them were older, so 11, 13, and 14, all unrelated from Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. You know, a year after they came home, someone 
we'd always dreamed of owning a coffee shop where we could employ and train kids who had aged out of the foster care system. And so oh, wow. that dropped, like someone was like, I have a coffee shop that I, I don't want to run anymore. Like, you know, kind of just, he sold it to us, like for basically just the cost of like the equipment in it. And wow. we were it way in over our heads. Like we both had, I was homeschooling six kids and my husband had a full-time job and we were like, sure, we'll take your coffee shop. We'll run that. Like, no worries. Yeah. So, uh, I would, I would say that, like, I think people from the outside looking in are like, yeah, those, those corkums, like they get an idea in their head. Like they might just actually go do it. <laughs> oh, wow. I admire, I admire that so much because there's so many ideas I've had that I've been hesitant on. And when I contrast it to people in my life who just like one week, they're like, I'm going to go into retail or I'm going to start a business. And the next thing you know, they're doing it. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Like I, I so admire that. Um, and I'm getting better at just going for it. Like what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Well, I mean, we found ourselves in some pretty dicey situations yeah. because of it, but <laughs> I won't say it's been all rainbows and unicorns, but as we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about the Enneagram here in a minute. And, and I'm a type that does kind of love adventure. So I kind of always think, you know, well, we'll just get through it. It'll be an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're here to talk to us about the Enneagram. Okay. So for those of us who don't know much about it, I'm familiar with it. I know my number. I am my, my husband's number. Um, tell us what that means. What it, yeah. Tell us more about it. Yeah. So, I mean, from just a word perspective, right? Ennea is Greek for nine and gram comes from like diagram. So you'll often see the Enneagram visually represented as this nine pointed star and all the dots kind of connect. Mm-hmm. It is been called a personality typing system, which I think is a little bit of a, a dis- disservice to it, really. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of a misnomer. Uh, I feel like, and, and maybe because I'm not an expert in the other systems, maybe I'm misnomering them, but I feel like they were a lot of times almost designed around the assessment and and meant to kind of label us, like, this is what you said, and then this is what, kind of what this tells you about mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Enneagram started out as a narrative tradition. And of course, there are assessments and tests people can take, but for the majority of its existence, that wasn't the way you found out what your number was, right? You, mm. It was part of your culture. You learned about it. It was part of your vernacular. And as you grew up in it and learned more about it and grew into adulthood, you would have really started to identify with the dominant type. Mm. And we all have all nine types and we all have pieces of that. Like sometimes we're motivated by each of those nine different motivations we all have behaviors that are more stereotypical for a number at some point in time, right? So it's it's not like if you're not a one who's kind of known as the moral perfectionist that you don't you're never looking to perfect something, right? Or you never find yourself being a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. But it really goes back to your very core motivations. What is the dominant thing, fear, longing that drives your behaviors? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of movement on it, right? It recognizes that numbers can be what we call healthy or unhealthy, that in different times of stress or growth, we move towards and away Mm -hmm. from different numbers. Uh, And then we have our wings, the numbers that are directly next to your dominant number. Mm -hmm. And so really, I like to think of it as kind of a roadmap or a system for personality growth and discovery, kind of personal growth and discovery. So it's also very much a, a personal journey. Now we're going to talk about it, how we can be good parents and, and think about our kids or our spouses in this way, but, but really at its core, it's for ourselves, right? How mm-hmm. can it gives us, empowers us to be our best version of ourselves? Yeah. And that's, what's unique to the Enneagram is that, um, 
I mean, I am slightly familiar with the other personality typing systems, but what I do love about the Enneagram is that I can see when I'm in health and stress and I, I don't, none of the other tests give you indicators about your well-being. And I love this because I'm able to identify, oh, that's right. This is what's motivating me right now. And then I'm able to course correct. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the person who taught me the Enneagram or has been one of the people who taught me talks about rumble strips. Mm-hmm. Um, like on the highway, right? They kind of tell us, oops, you're you're about to crash and burn, right? And so I'm a type seven and in stress, I go to a type one. So type sevens are generally pretty easygoing. We're kind of known for fun and adventure. Mm-hmm. Type ones, as we talked about, we're, are a little bit known like perfectionists. And so I know that when I start getting extra nitpicky with my kids, yeah. that that probably tells me something about what's going on in my internal stress system, or I might be stressed out about something else. It kind of is big flashing lights that say, wait, this might not be about your kid not folding Mm -hmm. the laundry correctly. It Mm -hmm. might be about all these other things that you've let pile up and now you're taking it out on them. And, you know, I've been able to see that in my parenting over the years, but knowing your Enneagram number and, and what you look like in stress helps you get there much quicker, which means you may do a lot less you know, emotional damage to your kids and relationship damage with those around you before you realize something's off course. Yeah. Um, And that's something that I probably need to reacquaint myself with is what I do in stress because we all want to read the best parts of ourselves and we all want to read what's good about our type. But um, I think we should know the other just as much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And And so that's, you know, when you're thinking about identifying your dominant type. So if you have um, listeners out there who are like, oh, I, you know, I've never heard of this and I'm curious to know my type. Remember that too, because when I first learned about the Enneagram, I was in a very stressful point in my life. Mm -hmm. And the way that I answered the first assessment that I took typed me more like a one because that was the behavior that was Mm -hmm. dominant in my recent memory. And so I'll I'll really encourage people, one, to use the assessment kind of as a jumping off point. They're really only about 70% effective anyway. Mm -hmm. And then also try to remember kind of who you were maybe in your like 20s or like in college, because when I first thought about maybe I was a seven and my husband actually laughed at me. He was like, you're no fun. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I don't, you just want to be a seven because it sounds fun. But, you know, as I looked back at who I was as a teenager and the, some of the adventures I went on. And and when I thought about who I was as a young mom before it was super, super stressful, right. I was the mom who stopped everything for Mm playdates and I was always organizing the field trip co-ops for our homeschool group. Right. So there was a point in my life when that motivation was a little bit clearer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. If you were going through a season of stress that you would identify as a one. Yeah. Yeah, Cause pretty much all my behaviors were about uh, you know, nitpicking all the people around me for quite a few years. (laughs) Yeah. So you're an Enneagram coach. So not only do you like have embraced it for you and your family, but you help others. So tell me what that looks like. Yeah, it can look like a couple different things. So there's kind of phases, right? So sometimes people come to me because they've known about the Enneagram and, and like me, are having trouble really figuring out what type they were. So when I first heard of it, there were a couple of types where I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not those, right? There were some really obvious things that I could cut out, but then I kind of got down to about three, you know, (laughs) and I was like, I'm not really sure. And 
so I told people for a long time, I was a one, actually I mistyped for a long time and I didn't have anyone to tell me, right. That it's not unusual to need to maybe try on a type for Mm -hmm. a little while. And I didn't have anyone to take all my thoughts that were rumbling around in my head and reflect them back to me and, and help me make sense of them. So I do typing work with folks, mm-hmm. first of all. Uh, for folks who know their type, then I can also help them kind of really dig deeper into that, find practices that help them be their best selves. And as a parent coach, really my passion in Enneagram coaching is helping parents understand themselves better so they can understand the dynamics of the family situation and how to best communicate with their kids, Mm -hmm. why they may be interpreting behaviors a certain way through the Mm -hmm. lens of their type. Yeah. Um, You know, we think there are some universals, uh, universal things about maybe even respect, but you know, there's some types on the Enneagram, like eights, for example, are known as kind of the justice keepers of the world, but they also tend to be, have very big personalities and be a little bit more controlling. And so respect to them might be that a child would stand up for themselves, would be that they um, could have a dialogue back and forth, right? That they would ask for a compromise. Yeah. Well, a type nine is a people pleaser. They like, they avoid conflict at all costs. And so a a child who might have more eight tendencies and be a little bit more independent, um, may see that as disrespect because they don't like the feeling of Mm -hmm. of conflict. They just want their kid to go along to get along. Mm, Yeah. So, um, when it comes to children, what, what are your thoughts on when they start to lean into their typing? Because I've heard different things about kids, like they, they haven't hit a maturity level where they actually are a type, but I feel like I can, I can tell you certain of my children and, and my oldest, she's taken the test. And then I was told, oh, I don't know about that. I know she's too young. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like my world has changed now that we know her type. Right. Um, and so like, what are your thoughts on kids and typing? And then or is it just strictly for the parents or is it something you can start to look for in your kids? Like, how does that work? Yeah. I think the first thing that we do when we find something like this, right. is like, let's figure it out. Let's figure out who, what type I am, what type my kids are. I don't know. Or maybe that's just the one in me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, so he, we can't type anybody really like it's such a self-discovery thing, but when we know the Enneagram well around all nine types, we can start to understand some patterns. Mm-hmm. right? There's big buckets. So I think our kids, well, first of all, let me go back and say that the general belief is that we're born our type. So it's not okay. unusual, right? That you would, especially if your child shows very stereotypical patterns and behaviors of a certain mm-hmm. type, that mm-hmm. you might start getting an inkling about what that's all about. So we can't type our kids, right? But we're going to think about it anyway. So it's not that we can't think about it, but we need to let them kind of discover it on their own. So mm-hmm. we don't want to use the Enneagram as a sword or a shield, meaning we don't want to kind of pigeonhole our kids. You know, you're being such a one, you're being yeah. such or a Or even five. our spouse. Or even our spouse. Yeah, absolutely. And then as a shield, we don't want to use it to make excuses for ourselves. Well, I'm a seven, so I never do anything hard, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah, your, right. you know, <laughs> that, you're going to have to figure that out, right? The Enneagram shows us what our tendencies are, but it always gives us a path to be a better version of that. Mm -hmm. So for our kids, um, you know, we can ask 
some questions, right? I think the Enneagram helps us ask curiosity questions about why our kids are doing what they're doing, right? Yeah. When If they want to have a lemonade stand out front, you could ask, you know, hey, like, do you feel like this is really helpful for folks who are just feeling hot in the summer? Or are you like hoping to make a million dollars, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's different motivations for why we do these things. I also think I mean, we can see a pattern. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and big buckets, right? So the Enneagram and it's nine types are often divided into different triads and there's different ways to group these numbers into groups mm-hmm. of the three, but we can think about kind of our, kids and their, what we call their stance in the world. Are they an independent or aggressive stance? So those would be um, numbers that kind of more stand on their own. Um, Are they, do they kind of move towards people, right? That would be like a two, right? Are they kind of always looking for the needs of others? They tend to have really sensitive hearts or are they kind of withdrawing? Like, do they kind of withdraw into themselves at the site of conflict? It's almost like a turtle, like, you know, they're poking their head out and then you know, they, they come in. So that can tell us kind of the big buckets mm-hmm. and eliminate some numbers. Um, but in terms of timing, because our kids are so influenced by us as parents, a lot of times we'll say that, that individuals aren't really able to really nail down and settle into their type until they've had a little bit of time to live some life outside of our four walls. Yeah. You know, that once they don't sense their parents, what their parents are thinking or judging or feeling about them, they really have a chance to spread their wings and really feel out who they are as people, then they may have a clear definition because otherwise they may be just having a type more projected on them or they may be imitating behaviors that they see around them. Yeah. And I think so, um, so many of these tests that we've taken or assessments or personality systems, um, they always say, don't answer the way you think you should answer or the way that you wish you would answer or wish you would be. And so I do think it takes some time, especially for kids to answer in a way that's true to them and not what they think they should be or what their parents right, tell right. them. What the parents tell them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I found with my daughter, we had my oldest take it because um, we were doing college tours. And I was like, I need to know who you are and what are you yeah. doing for your life. <laughs> and um, she took the test and it said she was, it gave, like, we did a couple different ones and it gave a couple different options. And we landed on nine. And I was like an epiphany because um, she played lacrosse for a really long time. And then she got her, um, her ref certificate so she could ref games. And she she loved the idea of it. But then did one game and like practically wanted to cry the whole time and refused to do it ever again. And I'm like, this is such good money. Like you're not going to get a job that makes this good money. It's great for leadership skills. When when I found out she was a nine, I was like, of course she doesn't want to do this. She's a peacemaker. Why would she want to get in the middle of the field and tell everybody (laughs) that they're right or they're wrong or like stand up to parents who are going to push back? I'm like, Okay, we're done. You're never going to hear me wish, you know, tell you, you should try to pursue this because now I have like, I I had some insight into her. Um, But again, I'm not, I'm careful not to assume that of her in every situation, because when she does get passionate about something, she's like out there on the front lines. And so it's just been interesting to just even that little bit of a peek into maybe what's going on in the inside of her has been so helpful as I parent her, especially in, in these years where she's getting ready to launch. Um, Just sort of asking questions and trying to understand more about her has been so helpful. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of the shame away. Right. Cause I think it can be, we can feel shame or disappointment if we invest in something like that and mm-hmm. then we don't like it or we don't 
feel like we're good at it. We might think, mm-hmm. you know, what's wrong with me mm-hmm. versus the Enneagram says, oh, well, you're just one of those people. And there are many like you yeah. who doesn't love conflict, or you might be more like, you know, a six as an inner committee, they have terrible time making decisions and you have to kind of be decisive to be a ref, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's also a number that probably would really struggle in that situation. And yeah. so I think, again, it, it takes the conversation away from what's wrong with me to, oh, this is the way I see the world. Yeah. That's so good. All right. So when you, you work with parents, so talk to me about what it looks like to help them create a healthy culture using the Enneagram. Tell me some of the ways that you help them use it to, to improve their family. Yeah. So I work with a lot of families who have kids with really challenging behaviors. Mm -hmm. And I have an acronym that I use that works well, whether you have the Enneagram or not, but just for general behavior, you know, just a game plan for Mm -hmm. all the different things that happen in our families. And it's the word real. And the first, the R is reflect and regulate, right? So whatever's going on, whether it's a family dynamic thing or a challenging behavior, you know, how are you experiencing it? Because the Enneagram, again, mostly comes back to work that we can do for ourselves. It really puts the power in our hands. Mm -hmm. So what's going on for you? What are your thoughts, your feelings, your, you know, what are the things that you want to act on? Mm -hmm. How does that bang up against maybe values you have about whatever's going on? You know, maybe you hear, you know, your parent voice in your head saying, you know, polite people never do this or, you know, siblings (laughs) should always get along. Right. So what is that thing? Um, the E is, is just to explore, right. And the Enneagram gives us a guide for how to explore. Um, you know, if my child was this type, what might they be thinking or feeling about the situation? Mm. Um, what are the ways that they're going to best receive my love and criticism and guidance, um, you know, that's different depending on who your child is um, around that circle. And then the A is accommodate. You know, what can we do to show them that we're on the same team as them and and we're going to help them get through whatever it is, even if it's them being jerks, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that we can work as a team against a situation or a behavior together and find a way to do things differently. And that might Mm be that our child needs to do something differently. It might be that we need to do something differently. Um, you know, there's, it opens up a world of possibilities. And then the L is just a reminder to have some fun and to laugh because parenting is hard. We have a lot of stress. And even as a seven who should be all about fun, I find myself in these downward spirals with my kids, right? Where everything is a negative interaction. I'm constantly correcting. They're constantly Mm -hmm. pushing back. And so the L is just a, I call it the foundation of fun. Like what is the thing that we do as a family that happens that's fun kind of no matter what, that everyone enjoys doing that can kind of be our reset because that defines our family culture, that we're going to connect and be a family, even if someone's been a jerk. And Mm -hmm. I really encourage folks to have at least a weekly reset. Some of our families need daily resets and those can be Mm -hmm. smaller things. Mm -hmm. I find that foods are really great reset for my folks, right? There's different foods that they all love to gather around and that we don't use that those things are not on the table for grounding or punishment or taking Mm -hmm. away, right? That it's Mm -hmm. not a privilege uh, to enjoy family fun together time, that it's actually a right, you know, we don't mm. take away things like brushing your teeth and yeah, 
eating food, right? So that we need these times to reset as a family and just realize that we're in this all together. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Um, So tell us a little bit about the free resource that you're offering our listeners. Yeah. So I have a book called the um, Enneagram for Busy Parents. And so again, we talked about a lot of things. If you're new to the Enneagram, uh, that probably sounded like foreign language, (laughs) right? So um, I wanted to have a jumping off point for folks to get their feet wet, find out why it's important, um, help to simplify it a little bit. And so that is a free gift to your listeners and they can find that at the corkboardonline.com slash build your best family. That's great. Um, yeah, I'll definitely be getting a copy because I think it's fantastic. Um, it's been so helpful for me and my husband and our marriage. And um, yeah, the more I learn about it, the more I just, it's just helped us do life for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. You can find Melissa at thecorkboardonline.com. She's on Instagram as Enneagram on the go, as well as on Facebook as Corkboard Online. I'll link to this as well as where you can find the free resource that she's offered you in the show notes. Build Your Best Family has a great website, but do you know an even better one? My wife's. She's been at this blogging thing for a while now, and she's got a lot of smart things to say about faith, family, and community. Aw, thanks, babe. When you're all done listening to this episode, head over to KimberlyAmici.com and see what I'm talking about. And don't forget, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. Hey, that's my line. To learn more about Build Your Best Family, go to BuildYourBestFamily.com.